Chapter Seven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Seven showing how two gentlemen may misunderstand one another without enabling the company to understand their quarrel loftus had by this time climbed to the savage lair of his garret over strewn with tattered papers and books and father roach in the sanctuary of his little parlor was growling over the bones of a deviled turkey and about to soothe his fretted soul in a generous libation of hot whiskey punch indeed he was of an appeasable nature and on the whole a very good fellow dr toole whom the young fellows found along with nutter over the draught-board in the club-room forsook his game to devour the story of loftus's lenten hymn and poor father roach's penance rubbed his hands and slapped his thigh and crowed and shouted with ecstasy O'Flaherty, who called for punch, and was unfortunately prone to grow melancholy and pugnacious over his liquor, was now in a saturnine vein of sentiment, discoursing of the charms of his peerless mistress, the Lady Magnolia McNamara, for he was not one of those maudlin shepherds who piped their loves in lonely glens and other sequestered places, but rather loved to exhibit his bare scars and roar his tender torments for the edification of the marketplace. While he was decanting on the attributes of that bewitching crater, Horik, not two yards off, was describing with scarcely less unction the perfections of pig roast with the hair on, and the two made a medley like the roast beef of old England and the last rose of summer, arranged in alternate stanzas. O'Flaherty suddenly stopped short, and said a little sternly to Lieutenant Puddock, "'Does it very much signify, sir, or, as O'Flaherty pronounced it, sore, whether the animal has hair upon it or not?' "'Everything. Thur, in this particular receipt,' answered Puddock, a little loftily. "'But,' said Nutter, who, though no great talker, would make an effort to prevent a quarrel, and at the same time winking to Puddock in token that O'Flaherty was just a little hearty, and so to him alone, what signifies pig's hair compared with human tresses? Compared with human tresses, interrupted O'Flaherty with stern deliberation, and fixing his eyes steadily and rather unpleasantly upon Nutter. I think he saw that wink and perhaps did not understand its import. I, sir, and Mrs. Magnolia McNamara has a rich head of hair, as you could wish to see, says Nutter, thinking he was drawing him off very cleverly. As I could wish to see, repeated O'Flaherty grimly, as you could desire to see, sir, reiterated Nutter firmly, for he was not easily put down, and they looked for several seconds in silence, a little menacingly, though puzzled at one another. But O'Flaherty, after a short pause, seemed to forget Nutter, 
and returned to his celestial theme be the powers sir that young lady has the most beautiful dimple in her chin i ever set eyes on have you ever put a marrow-fat pea in it sir inquired devereux simply with all the beautiful rashness of youth no sore replied o'flaherty in a deep tone and with a very dangerous glare and i'd like to see the man who in my presence i'd presume to take that liberty what a glorious name magnolia is interposed little tool in great haste for it was a practice among these worthies to avert quarrels very serious affairs in these jolly days by making timely little diversions and it is wonderful at a critical moment what may be done by suddenly presenting a trifle a pin's point sometimes at least a marvellously small one will draw off innocuously the accumulating electricity of a pair of bloated scowling thunderclouds it was her noble godmother when the family resided at castle mara in the county of roscommon the lady carrick o'gunniel who conferred it said o'flaherty grandly upon her goddaughter as who had a better right i say who had a better right and he smote his hand upon the table and looked round inviting contradiction my godmother's in my baptism that's catechism and all the town of chapel is it won't put that down the holy church catechism while hyacinth o'flaherty of coolna kirk lieutenant fireworker wears a sword nobly said lieutenant exclaimed o'toole with a sly wink over his shoulder and what about that lady's nemi sir demanded the enamoured fireworker by jove sir it is quite true lady carrick o'gunniel was her godmother and toole ran off into the story of how that relationship was brought about narrating it however with a great caution and mildness extracting all the satire and giving it quite a dignified and credible character for the lieutenant fireworker smelt so confoundedly of powder that the little doctor though he never flinched when occasion demanded did not care to give him an open those who had heard the same story from the mischievous merry little doctor before were i dare say amused at the grand and complimentary turn he gave it now the fact was that poor magnolia's name came to her in no very gracious way young lady carrick o'gunniel was a bit of a wag and was planting a magnolia one of the first of those botanical rarities seen in ireland when good-natured vaporing vulgar mrs mcnamara's note who wished to secure a peeress for her daughter's spiritual guardian arrived her ladyship pencilled on the back of the note pray call the dear babe magnolia and forthwith forgot all about it but madame mcnamara was charmed and the autograph remained afterwards for two generations among the archives of the family and with great smiles and much complacency she told lord carrick o'gunniel all about it just outside the grand jury-room where she met him during the assize week and being a man of a weak and considerate nature 
rather kind and very courteous although his smile was very near exploding into a laugh as he gave the good lady snuff out of his own box he was yet very much concerned and vexed and asked his lady when he went home how she could have induced old mrs mcnamara to give that absurd name to her poor infant whereat her ladyship who had not thought of it since was highly diverted and being assured that the babe was actually christened and past recovery magnolia mcnamara laughed very merrily kissed her lord who was shaking his head gravely and then popped her hood on kissed him again and laughing still ran out to look at her magnolia which by the way of reprisal he henceforth notwithstanding her entreaties always called her mcnamara until to her infinite delight he came out with it as it sometimes happens at a wrong time and asked old mac a large mild man then extant madame herself nurse infant magnolia and all who had arrived at the castle to walk out and see lady carrick o'goniol's mcnamara and perceived not the slip such is the force of habit though the family stared and lady c laughed in an uncalled-for way at a sudden recollection of a tumble she once had when a child over a flower-bed and broke out repeatedly to my lord's chagrin and bewilderment as they walked towards the exotic when toole ended his little family anecdote which you may be sure he took care to render as palatable to magnolia's night as possible by not very scrupulous excisions and interpolations he wound all up without allowing an instant for criticism or question by saying briskly though incoherently and so what do you say lieutenant to a welsh rabbit for supper the lieutenant nodded a solid assent will you have one nutter cried toole no said nutter and why not says toole why i believe tom rook's song in praise of oysters answered nutter especially the verse the youth will ne'er live to scratch a gray head on a supper who goes a welsh rabbit to bed how came it to pass that nutter hardly opened his lips this evening on which as the men who knew him longest all remarked he was unprecedentedly talkative without instantaneously becoming the mark at which o'flaherty directed his fiercest and most suspicious scowls and now that i know the illusion which the pugnacious lieutenant apprehended i cannot but admire the fatality with which without the smallest design a very serious misunderstanding was brought about as to youths living to scratch grey heads or not sir said the young officer in most menacing tones i don't see what concern persons of your age can have in that but i'll take leave to tell you sir that a gentleman whether he be a youth as you say or aged as you are who endeavours to make himself diverting at the expense of others runs a murdering good risk sir of getting himself scratched where he'd like it least little nutter though grave and generally taciturn had a spirit of his own and no notion whatever of knocking under to a bully it is true 
he had not the faintest notion why he was singled out for the young gentleman's impertinence but neither did he mean to inquire his mahogany features darkened for a moment to logwood and his eyes showed their whites fiercely we are not accustomed sir in this part of the world to your conic notions of politeness we meet here for social uh uh sociality sir and the long and the short of it is young gentlemen if you don't change your key you'll find two can play at that game and and i tell you sir there will be wigs on the green sir here several voices interposed silence gentlemen and let me speak or i'll assault him bellowed o'flaherty who to do him justice at this moment looked capable of anything i believe sir he continued addressing nutter who confronted him like a little gamecock it is not usual for one gentleman who renders himself offensive to another to oblige him to proceed to the length of manually maltreating his person hey hey said nutter drawing his mouth tight on one side with an ugly expression and clenching his hands in his breeches pockets manually maltreating his person sir repeated o'flaherty by striking kicking or whipping any part or member of his body or offering a milder assault such as a pull by the chin or a finger tap upon the nose it is usual sir for the purpose of avoiding ungentlemanlike noise inconvenience and confusion that one gentleman should request of another to suppose himself affronted in the manner whatever it may be most intolerable to his feelings which request i now sir take the liberty of preferring to you and when you have engaged the services of a friend i trust that lieutenant puttock who lodges in the same house with me will in consideration of my being an officer of the same honourable corps a stranger in this part of the country and above all a gentleman who can show pedigree like himself here a low bow to puttock who returned it then lieutenant puttock will be so feeling and so kind as to receive him on my behalf and acting as my friend to manage all the particulars for settling as easily as may be this most unprovoked affair with which words he made another bow and a pause of inquiry directed to puttock who lisped with dignity sir the duty is for many reasons painful but i can't refuse sir and i accept the trust so o'flaherty shook his hand with another bow bowed silently and loftily round the room and disappeared and a general buzz and a clack of tongues arose mr nutter uh, i hope things may be settled pleasantly said puttock looking as tall and weighty as he could at present i uh that is at the moment i uh don't quite see the fact is he had not a notion what the deuce it was all about but your friend will find me your friend uh at my lodgings up to one o'clock to-night if necessary and so puttick's bow for the moment an affair of this sort presented itself all concerned therein became reserved and official and the representatives merely of a ceremonious etiquette and a minutely regulated ordeal of battle so as i said puttick bowed grandly and sublimely to nutter and then magnificently to the company 
and made his exit. There was a sort of a stun and a lull for several seconds. Something very decisive and serious had occurred. One or two countenances wore that stern and mysterious smile, which implies no hilarity, but a kind of reaction in presence of the astounding and the slightly horrible. There was a silence. The gentlemen kept their attitudes, too, for some moments, and all eyes were directed toward the door. Then some turned to Charles Nutter, and then the momentary spell dissolved itself. End of chapter 7 Recording by John Brandon